All right, welcome to another episode of Chronicles from the Cushion, where we discuss Northwest Kansas IMCA racing. I am Sheldon Lookmore, founder of WheelandDeal.com, alongside co-host Tanner Schmidt, the voice of Kansas IMCA racing. Don't mind me over here just trying to... Chairs don't scoop very well. Yeah. All right, uh, we're here at RPM Speedway in Hayes, Kansas for the season opener. Um, we'll kind of recap what went on over at Dodge from a week ago and then Sunflower Classic a couple weeks ago. So uh, I think Tanner's got some stats pulled up, so we'll see what he's got. We're going we're gonna to go with Sunflower first. All right, sounds good. I had pulled up, but then I dropped it. So Sunflower Sport Compacts, Kaylee Richards moved up four spots in the 12 out of Wymore, Nebraska. She was your feature winner. Nick Ronnebaum also went up four spots, finished seventh or second. Uh, Ted Trumbo, Trent Reed, the top four Kiowa Higdon in your fifth spot. Kiowa and, I'm going to butcher his name horribly, but Gilbert Adape, we'll go with that. They were your two big movers, up eight spots both, but kind of where they round out at. Hobby Stock, Zach Olmstead, he kind of continued his hot streak that he kind of went on from Boone last year, winning that one. Got it done at the Sunflower. Tristan Grape, though, if there was going to be three more laps, I think Tristan Grape was going to win. They're in second, up six. Brady Binken, Trevor Schmidt, BJ Rogers, your top five. Scrolling down for the big mover. Everybody just kind of went up six spots. That's kind of the the uh, trend right there. Sport mods. Jeff Hunter dominated out of Henderson, Colorado, 21H. Tyler Watts. Tyler Fry up 16 spots. Your hard charger there, the 77 out of Belleville. Hunter Smith, the rookie. Great showing for him. And Boone Evans, your top five there. Go over to stock cars. Taylor Burkhart. Kicked off strong once again with another big season victory, or big show victory at Hayes. Tyler Fry second, Kyle Pfeiffer, Colby Stegman, Angel Munoz. Munoz, your big mover, up five, or up 12 into the top five. And we'll go to Modifieds. Jeremy Mills, all the way from Iowa, getting it done. Clay Money, your big mover, up 11. It's one spot shy from back-to-back Sunflower Classic wins. Dakota Sproul, Daniel Gottschalk, Brett Berry, the rookie, up 12. Actually, Brett Berry, your big mover, up 12, the rookie, and I believe his first ever modified run. So kind of wrapping up the top five, at least there, from the classes at the Sunflower. Yeah, I thought at the Sunflower Classic, you know, it was the first race of the season, or the first race on this relatively new track surface. And, I mean, I think... It put on a pretty good show. You definitely saw drivers get racy. And like you said, some of the classes we saw really good big movers. I mean, Tyler Fry and Clay Money both picking up over 10 spots each was pretty good. And the first night out on the new track surface was pretty good. It was pretty. I think it accomplished what they want with it, at least holding moisture for as long as it did. It didn't help that we were fighting 30-mile-an-hour-ish winds pretty much for the rest of our lives out here in Kansas. But um, I think it did what they wanted it to do right now. 
I mean, it looks like it's holding water, too, but there's nice cloud cover today. Again, with the wind, but it looked like... Oh, they're going to water it. It looked like that... I don't know how much, or at least I don't remember much of this in dirt track racing, because it kind of seems if there's a pack, there's going to be a pack, or if one driver gets out there. But it looks like the track came to certain drivers, like Tristan Grape, up, whatever, I said 14 or 7, or to run down, start running down your race leader who dominated all race long. I think that's what they want in this track. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it definitely improved the racing. Um, I guess we can touch on Dodge a little bit. Uh, Dodge City new-ish surface. They did some stuff to it in the off-season. I don't... See, you got two different scales here. You have RPM, who's... I think their fresh surface did what they wanted. Dodge did some dirt work, and I think they still just got a little bit of learning to do on that one. It was a, was a little rough, but same surface for all the drivers. They all had to run on it. A little rough, but I think they will, they will learn from their mistakes, and they have two weeks. They'll go back out and try to get another surface. But Hobby Stocks will start with their... Cody Williams got it done up eight, get his first win of the year. Uh, Reagan Sellard out of Buckland. Cody Gum, Manuel Salazar, Tyler Heath, the top five there. Um, a lot of drivers, a lot of drivers having issues too. I don't know if that had something with the track or just, you know, beginning of the year maintenance not getting looked at very well, but Sport Mods, move on over there. Boone Evans got it done, raced two classes that night. Uh, got it done in Sport Mods. Jack Kirchhoff, Brendan Nordyke, which Brendan finished third, blew his motor at the start-finish line, coming to the checkered flag. So rough night there for the 9JR. Um, Stuart Swarthout, probably butchering that one. He was up six. Brennan Moflin down three to finish out the top five there. Cruisers, all three of them raced. Actually, there were four, but one of them did not register, so he got no points. No points, no trophy. I believe he won the race, too. Oh, jeez. But Chris Lowry, him and Troy Burkhart ran the cruiser. They got the victory. Matt Ramsey and Dylan Pfeiffer, those guys all there. Uh, we'll swing down to stock cars, which I call it the class too tough to tame because it's usually a great race. Mike Petersilly ran away with it. He lapped up to the top four. He was gone. Uh, Chris Oliver, Colby Stegman, Boone Evans, Keith Stegman, the top five there. Modifieds. Now, the modified race was a great one. Uh, Kelsey Foley started outside front row, led every lap, flag to flag, 20 lap modified feature. She got it done. Jake Nightingale, Mike Peter, Silly Tanner Black, and Casey Joe Gimmel. Uh, Kelsey Foley and Nightingale, they got after it with five to go. And the old 3J there tried to move her off the bottom because that was really the only line. Tried to move her off the bottom in three and four. Got her a little sideways, but the wheel girl, Kelsey Foley, got it done. It was a great modified race. Probably one of the best modified races I've ever seen. Yeah, watching the TikTok you did of the... Oh, did you see my face get all excited yeah, when he yeah. hit her with the bumper? Yeah, it was probably one of your or one of the favorites I've seen from you. Uh, I, wish, I seen... wish the people that view that would take it otherwise because it only has like 500 views. Really? It's not doing well. <laughs> oh. I've fallen uh. off the face of TikTok because I made one baseball video. <laughs> yeah. Just plummeted. Well, that probably happens. Doesn't help that you did it on Colorado. And Listen, you're a Brewers fan. You just <laughs> pipe down over there. Hey, I like Colorado. I I went to a couple Rockies games. My and, team is horrible, and I know it. Yeah, well, the two Rocky games, not to get too off track here, but the two Rocky games I went to, 
kid you not, both games featured a brawl in the middle and had numerous guys thrown out. And, yeah, so everybody's like, oh, I want to go to a, a Rockies game with Shonen because we're going to see a fight halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I was going to kind of have us update state and track points, but uh, considering we're, what, two races into this season or not even – that some tracks haven't even got yeah. a race into the yeah. season, so. so we're just gonna knock that out or kick that away. And the who's hot, who's cold, probably not really worth getting into. And I don't know if we have any news really or anything worth talking about, so uh, I guess we'll just kind of shout out a couple people that I at least want to shout out. And that's photos by Red. Carl Red Larson does a lot for me, and he's real supportive of what I do and keeps, or I guess keeps the fire underneath me to keep going in this sport. And then we need to kind of give a shout-out to Mr. Cam Gruber with Bulletproof Designs. He made that really nice logo that we have. I don't know if you your, your duct tape didn't it. stick back yeah, there. The flag yeah. fell down. And the flag's not on the wall, so we can't show you that. Uh, we'll fix that. So, um, I guess we'll just jump right into the bump and run segment, which is where we're going to interview a driver. So, Tanner, uh, I guess if you want to introduce Kyle, you can. Sitting in between us, the lovely wheelman of the k3 four-cylinder of fury kyle benoit which it took me all of two weeks before your wife told me when i first started announcing that i was saying your name completely wrong were you saying bennett yeah i don't remember what i said but uh she was like that's not how you say it and you need to say it right away <laughs> yes ma'am she'll straighten you out <laughs> all right i guess kyle will kind of start with uh just a recap on your career uh, I started racing back in 2015. Uh, my wife and I got married that year, and shortly after, I'm sure you guys are aware of Shea Seminole. Runs, he's running a hobby stock this year. Uh, talked me into buying a compact from Jake Schween, and I think it's the slowest Schween car <laughs> ever. <laughs> I mean, he bought it. He didn't build it, he, but uh, it was like a 1.5 liter Honda. You know, it was a great beginner car, but it didn't last very long. But, um, so started there, uh, blew that car up. So instead of putting a new motor in it, went to another car that actually picked up from Kiowa Higdon. And it was a very fast car. Uh, loved it. If you go down to turn four and look at the wall, there's probably still a red mark somewhere where I smacked the wall with it. Destroyed that and then got into the last k3 car the black and yellow one that i was running and was able to pick up my first two feature wins here at hayes and did it back to back before getting knocked out for the season and missed last season due to medical stuff and made it back for the last two races here and then this off season ended up getting rid of that car and we're going to be out here in a new car from iowa so Hopefully, those Iowa guys, they seem pretty fast, so we're going to see what we can do on it. 
Have you at least tested it on a dirt road? No, I have not. <laughs> you are going to see me in the car for the first time for, tonight. First time you are in that car, and it's going to be in the midst of the chaos here at the I guess RPM Speedway. I drove it from the trailer to the garage. Hey, that works. At least you got seat time. Yeah. Okay. So, let's go find you a compact simulator and yeah. <laughs> strap in. Um, I guess, uh, obviously, there's something we want to get to eventually, but... Um, guess firing off questions right off the bat. Um, I guess one of my biggest questions for you, especially now knowing that you have a new car and you didn't test it at all and you didn't hit the Sunflower Classic, uh, this is a relatively new surface. Obviously, they laid a new layer up top or on the top of the dirt. Uh, have you been asking your fellow sport compact buddies what they learned at uh, the Sunflower, or is it just kind of let's send it and see what we do? Uh, I mean, I'll talk to them a little bit more tonight before we get out there, kind of see what it's like. But I, I watched it on Flow, and I mean, it kind of what I gathered from it is a little slicker than what everybody was expecting, especially through the practice night. It looked like there's a lot of turnarounds, but I, for the most part, it, just looking at it today, also, it looks like it's definitely smoothed out quite a bit they got some of the holes filled in and uh before he was out there with the truck it looked like it was holding moisture pretty decent so it'll be exciting to see what it does and hopefully it holds on makes them for some good racing now we just saw him kind of run out here and throw some water down i know compacts and wet and tacky don't necessarily mix well together but i think you have some uh blanket on the race the end of the year race fall nationals i think you have some fall nationals experience on some nice wet and tacky tracks emphasis yeah, well, on wet actually i was gonna say the last <laughs> wet track we were on it was wet there was no tacky about it <laughs> i mean i don't even think i got out of second gear i know a couple guys found a lane and they took off but i was like for a heat race i didn't really want to destroy a car so i just kind of took my time and uh brianna was still racing a compact and she got off on between three and four and she caught a dry spot and she came back down and there was no moving luckily she got her car side enough sideways enough that we just kind of glanced off each other and kept going but yeah it was not the best heat race to have us out there for okay um i asked madison this question during the first episode and i think it's kind of a fun one if you could race one car at, like, any track in the country, what would you choose and why? I'm going to keep it local. Uh, I would, I'm going to get my chance this year, but Stockton Speedway, the half mile, the famous half mile. I've always wanted to run there, and it's always, you know, it's hometown track. It's 30 minutes away, 20 minutes, whatever it is, and it's just always been a track on my bucket list, and... If I could race any car on it, I would love to race a late model. And simple fact, that's what my dad ran back in the day. I never got to see him race. He quit before I got up old enough to watch him do it. But that's what he ran. So I'd really just, I'm competitive enough. I'd want to race there on that track in a late model just to see if I could be faster than my dad. And, and you know, out here, everything's kind of three-eighths mile. We have Stockton Osborne, the half miles, had Norton in 
there's been, I think, one compact race around here on a half mile. That was at Norton, and a couple only showed up. But what do you kind of expect for something that nobody out here's really done in the compacts? Well, kind of expecting some blown motors and destroyed transmissions, and I hope <laughs> it doesn't happen because I would like to finish out the year. But <laughs> that that's my biggest fear, honestly. But I I think it will be. They always seem like that track's always in good shape. They you know for one race a year. Um, it would be interesting because, you know, compacts are momentum. So, you know, when you're going a half mile and then throwing it through a turn, you know, how much momentum are we going to lose? You know, are you going to have to shift? And kind of different setups. I'd, I'm sure we're going to be asking. I think out in Iowa they run a couple half miles. So I don't know if we can get a hold of some guys out there and try to get some information on it just to kind of get us a little better out there and not, not go through so many problems. Ted, though, has experience on the half mile. He ran the race at Norton all 100 laps, and I think he blew up on, like, lap 90. So he's got 90 more laps than you do. He does. He's, <laughs> and Ted's fast anywhere, so, you know, he's always a competitor. And uh, it's, yeah, so that advantage is going to help him, and hopefully we can either tuck him behind him or, you know, having to just hold on to it a little longer than him and stay out front. But <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right. Um, what else can we talk about? I'll throw this one out there. I don't know. I don't know how much answer it's going to be out of you, but I, I don't know why it popped into my head. But in the last, I don't know, couple years, we've seen a lot of different changes through other classes, like technology-wise. Has there really been that in the compacts, or has it really just been pretty much kind of the same since they've came around? Um, I mean, when I started racing in 2015... You know, the compacts was, it was the boring class. It was the intermission, basically. You That's when you went to the bathrooms, you went to the concession stands, whatever. And uh, now, I mean, I feel like we've gotten faster. I, I think there's, for what we're limited to, I think we've done quite a bit with what we got. Uh, if you run some of our lap times, you know, the front half of the compacts usually run with somewhere in the hobby stock times also. So I, I do think we have improved, but for what they got us limited to, I, I think we're starting to get to our max. Now it's just a suspension, tire, you know, adjustment game more than anything. And I mean, some guys might find a couple of tricks to the trade. I mean, Schween, he's always fast. Now, granted, they are good drivers. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. Um I think I've beat Jake in one heat race, maybe. I mean, he's just, he's fast. He's, he's a good driver. He's fast. His dad's fast. And those two, uh, they put on a heck of a show. I really hope I can compete with them one day and put on a good show with them and maybe even beat them. But they're fun to race with. But I don't know if they just found the thing to make it fast or if they're just embarrassing us as drivers and they're just that good of drivers. That, so... <laughs> But yeah, as far as as far as the cars go, I think we're kind of maxing out what we're limited to. And now, for those that don't exactly know, from heat race to main event, what all can you guys change on a car if you want to make some adjustments to it based on track condition or whatever you see out there? Um, I mean, tires. Some people run spring rubber, some don't. You can throw those in, take them out. Uh, air pressure. Air pre 
air pressure you want to think would make a huge difference in our cars but it, i mean it does the harder you make your tires it's more for a you know a wet track let a little air out for the dry tracks but i mean there's there's not a whole lot you can really do in that short amount of time but some guys may disagree with me and they may do a bunch of stuff <laughs> different i guess coming from my point of view i don't change a whole lot um and i think it makes madison mad sometimes <laughs> When he goes and changes something on his car, and I just send it, especially my old car, I, I didn't change too much on it, but it's just I don't know the way the way it is, I guess. <laughs> um, I had thought of something, and then I think it slipped my mind. Um, I guess before we dive into why you missed last year, but uh. Knowing that you did miss a year, do you think that, like, stalled your momentum at all? Or, I mean, do you think you're going to be back at your, you know, winning ways? Or do you think being out of the car for a year is going to kind of make it maybe a, a little bit of a struggle at least to start the year? Uh. You know, unless something just happens that I feel very comfortable in this car tonight, I'm probably going to look a little slower than what I did in my old car. Uh, sitting out last year did definitely make a difference, but I felt like coming into fall nationals last year, yeah, I ran with the top five for most of the night. I think I ended up sixth or seventh, but uh, I do. I, I, get, I get very nervous, especially at the beginning of the year. You know, you got new drivers coming in. Uh, you you know, the track's set all year, so it's not the same as it was at the end of last year. So there's a lot of things for the first race that kind of make you nervous. But I, I hope I can jump into my old ways and I stay towards the front of the pack and kind of compete with those guys. They're fun to compete with. And, yeah, I, I, I hope it doesn't change. But like I said, the very first race of the year, I'm always a little bit more nervous than most races. So I seem to drive a little more cautious, I guess you'd say. Yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, it'd probably be hard just to drop the hammer, you know, very first race and expect to, you know, go up and compete right off the bat. And I mean, I guess not saying that you're not competing, but, you, you know, it's probably hard to go in with the mindset that, hey, I'm going to win the season opener. But uh, I guess if Tanner... Can you think of anything? I've got one, else? but I'm, I'm saving it for the end. Okay. Okay. I guess, Kyle, if you want to kind of dive into why you missed last year, we can definitely touch on that for a little bit. Yeah, so at the end of the 21 season, I, I won back-to-back -back races and then missed, uh, I guess, championship night. Because uh, actually back in January, I found a lump and – was a little nervous about it, ended up getting it checked, was told that it was more than likely a cyst and nothing more, kind of pushed it to the back of my brain, uh, got busy on the farm and stuff and kind of just pushed it away and didn't think too much about it. And then coming there towards the end of the season, uh, I lost a grandparent. Actually, she passed the, I believe it was a Thursday before that last race that I raced here. And, uh, a week after her funeral, I got a bug bite that got infected, so I went to get antibiotics for it and told my doctor that lump was still there, so we did another 
uh, ultrasound on it and came back it had blood flow ended up being testicular cancer um, that was on a Thursday I met with a doctor here in Hayes on Monday had surgery on Tuesday missed the races here on Saturday and then uh, when they got the test back from the lump they put me at stage 2b testicular cancer and which basically there's three stages of testicular cancer because it actually has a very high cure rate it's like 98 percent curable if you catch it in time um so i was i was fairly far along in that so it it started moving up and got into some lymph nodes in my uh stomach area and in my chest and so we started chemo in november i had to do it was nine weeks of that it was a total of 21 days and it's it was harsh i mean it was that's some nasty stuff and uh got done with that in december did a scan in february i believe still had some lymph nodes that he wasn't too sure about so we ended up doing a big surgery in march and got those removed and I had a, another scan just here in March, and everything came back good. Uh, tumor markers all came back negative. Blood work was good. Didn't see anything on the scan that made him nervous. So they, I was f one year cancer-free, I guess you'd call it, in remission for a year, and everything's still good. So they spaced out my appointments and everything, and I don't have to go back as much now. And so we're, we're getting on the road to recovery, but... Uh, yeah, that's one of the biggest things. April is Testicular Cancer Awareness Month, and that's why I asked to be on here in April, just to kind of talk about it a little bit and let people know, because it is, it's one of those things that most guys, are, they get a little embarrassed, they don't want to talk about it, and which is fully understandable. I didn't want to either. I mean, if I would have taken care of it back in January, February, when I found it originally, I, there's a good chance I wouldn't even have to go through chemo. They could have caught it right off the beginning. Um, but, you know, I pushed it off and it ended up biting me, but, uh, now I say it has a 98% cure rate, but it is still deadly. I mean, there is, there was a Marine in Kansas, um, Olathe, I believe, somewhere, in, but, uh, he's 19 years old. He didn't know the symptoms of it. He was having back pain and some abdominal pain, and that is one, those are symptoms of it, and he just was unaware you know i mean it's not talked about so he was unaware of it ended up uh killing him and you know if he just if he would have known anything about it he probably would have been a little harder on it and they would have caught it hopefully in time because it it hits guys between 18 and 35 i think is the most common age span they see um of guys getting it and if he would just been educated on it a little bit more, you know, he may have, you know, put those symptoms with something else and would have went and talked to his doctor, or done something that could have changed the outcome of it. But it's just one of those things. It's it's hard to talk about. I, I mean, yeah, obviously I understand how it is, but it's just one of those things. If you if you have any questions, you know, it's I got I was on a podcast earlier this year, and it's like I told him like it's better to be embarrassed a little bit asking somebody about it and it not being that than doing like I did and not asking about it. And then, you know, six months down the road, like 
you find out you got stage two. Yep. Yep. Well, we're definitely glad to hear that you're doing a lot better. And uh, I guess kind of on that, we're on that topic. I know one of the first times I had heard about it, your buddy Madison Reed had told me. And then that night at the track, I don't, I'm sorry, but I can't remember exactly what night it was last year, but um, there was a night that he had a bunch of the compact guys run K3 decals or stickers on there or, you know, tape it. Would have been championship yeah. night. That would have been the first night I was out. Madison yeah. actually borrowed my car that night because his is okay, messed yep, up. Yep. One, That's of right. the, one of the nine motors he went through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, anyway, I guess – the support you got from everyone for sure but uh what did you think of you know the support you got from the racing community it seemed like they definitely stepped up and wanted to help and share your story what did that feel like uh it was awesome it you know it's one of those feelings you just can't describe but uh yeah for them guys to just go out and you know, told me they're thinking of me, praying for me, and racing for me that night. It was just, it meant the world to me, and uh, it just shows you that racing is more than a competition. You know, you you become family out here, and you know, make lifelong friends, and that will do anything for you. And it makes it makes the journey a lot easier when you're going through something. Um, just knowing that you got people there supporting you and backing you, and uh, I know the compacts were the big ones that put the K3 on them and everything, but I had support from other racers, other families. Um, you know, I know a lot of guys in the other classes just from back home and stuff, and I had them helping me and supporting me, and it made it a lot easier on the family and the wife and, you know, going through them hard times. And anything helped and just made it a lot easier to support our kids and everything while I was down and out. So. Yeah, I cannot thank them guys enough, and if they're ever in the situation where I can step up and support them like that, I will gladly do it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think, you know, across the board, whether it's volleyball or basketball or racing, you know, anytime anything happens to an athlete, and I'll even throw race car drivers as athletes because I definitely feel like they're athletes, but anyway, you know, if something happens, the sport will, you know, come back and support the, or support whoever is going through something. And like you said, it's just definitely good to have people in your corner. And, you know, the friends, like you touched on, the friends that you make at the racetrack, it, those friendships last quite a bit. Uh, and I'll give a quick shout out to RPM because that I believe it's fall nationals when they have the breakfast the next morning after the heat races and qualifiers uh, they do a last year they did a free will donation all proceeds went to uh, I believe it was a cancer society here in Hayes or something so you know them stepping up and doing stuff like that is huge and helping out local stuff that you know sponsors a track or whatnot and it's just a big thing for them to do, and we really appreciate that also. Yep. Well, Sheldon stole my 
question. So yeah, I, you I just won- took that one right out of my brain. <laughs> yeah, I wondered about that. My bad, Tanner. Uh, and I guess uh, do you have anything else, Kyle, that you kind of want to touch on, or um, just like I said, going back to the whole cancer deal. Uh, if anybody that watches this, if you're a guy and you have questions and you're embarrassed to ask your wife or whatever, uh, you always feel free to come talk to me about it. I'll try to give you the best advice I can or find an answer for you. Um, like I said, I, I, I'm not going to try to embarrass you. It's, it's already a tough enough thing to talk about. So I've had, I've had guys come up and ask me before randomly and, you know, I try to give them the best information I can and just keep it quiet for them so they don't get embarrassed by it. Cause like I said, it, it's 98% curable if you catch it in time. It's really simple to get it over with. Um, but if not, unfortunately, like the young man in Kansas found out, it can cost you your life. So I definitely hope people talk about it and get it get it out there so it doesn't so people can get it cured and get it taken care of. Yep, for sure. Tanner, you have any other questions? Well, I just kind of thought of this one. So. New surface, new car for you, new season. Do you have any expectations on how the night's going to go, or are you just kind of an open mo- notebook at this point? Uh, I'm open. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping, I, I hope for at least a top five. A win would be great. Um, but, yeah, the new surface, I'm, I'm not going to be disappointed if the car doesn't perform like I expect it to, but... You know, I'll definitely I'll be trying to make changes as quickly as possible and try to put on the best show I can for the crowd. Hopefully the crowd shows up. I know with this wind and, <laughs> of course, you know, we had 80, 90 degree weather all week and then Saturday rolls around and it drops down to 50 and windy, rainy. But Mother Nature definitely does not like racing. Yeah. No. I was joking with my buddy. I was like, we need to build a track over by tomorrow so we can at least get rain every once in a while. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems like race day, you know, it just... Sucks them clouds right in, so. Yeah, for sure. I, I can't remember now for sure, but honestly, I looked, and even tomorrow's supposed to be halfway decent. It's like Mother Nature just half. Yeah, I think just, it's supposed to be back up in the 70s. Yeah, it was just like, <laughs> no, Saturday night, you're not going to have a good time if you go outside. But And I honestly, I, I didn't have the car completely done for the spring show, but it seems like every year the spring show is... 40 degrees, and 30-mile-an-hour winds. And I'm just like, I'm just not going to do it this year, and I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. And it seemed like, I, I mean, besides the wind, it wasn't terribly cold, was it? It wasn't horrible until kind of the end of the it, night. But yeah, too closer to dark or after dark. But I think the yeah, last then, two features is when it kind of, the right. temperature dropped, at least when I would have to sprint down there to victory lane from up here. So Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and then, of course, the first race I come back for, it's just, yeah, 50 and 30. They, they didn't want you to miss out on the lovely weather. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, uh, kind of before we wrap everything up for this episode, uh, last question, or another question just popped in my head. You know, Tanner Madison and I, on the first episode, we had a pretty good conversation regarding the state of racing out here in northwest Kansas. I guess, uh, and you mentioned the whole, the weather's not the best for the spring shows. I guess, what's your thought, thoughts, you know, on the race, on racing here in Northwest Kansas and um, what you think tracks could 
consider doing to maybe help bring fans in? Um, I mean, it that's a tough one. You know, Northwest Kansas is just kind of yeah, everybody's kind of moving out of it, just kind of going to bigger cities and stuff like that. So already it makes it hard. I mean, you know, I consider RPM my home track because it's the one I can run on the most, and I'm an hour away from it. So you know, you got to travel, and so you got that expense. And obviously, with COVID, you know, things took a jump, and they're just not cheap anymore. And so when you're racing on a budget, and you're on that same budget, but price is doubled. It makes it very tough, and so I, you know, you always want to say, well, they could pay more, they could pay more, but, you know, realistically, it's just as hard for them to get a sponsor to help pay more than it is for you to get a sponsor for your car. Mm-hmm. So I I think for what they're dealt with, they do a pretty good job. I mean, you get them random nights where they misjudge the weather or the track and either put too much water on or not enough, and... But, I mean, for the most part, you really can't complain about how these guys run these tracks. I mean, they, they're they out here, you know, way more hours than I am and trying to give us a surface to come out and just screw around on. Because, I mean, if you're in racing in northwest Kansas to make money, you you jumped into the <laughs> wrong sport. And, uh, you know, so for us to come out here and just goof around and have fun, these guys put a lot of time and effort and money into it that they – really don't have to they could just be like i'm done with it and you know you guys don't have to race so but i mean other than that they got to compete with you know big payouts they got to try to get big payouts they got to you know try to get a perfect track for people that like to complain about the track and not their driving and then now with technology they got to you know they got to compete with that i mean you know I know, like, my kids, we left them at home. My oldest one got sick at the beginning of the week, and we didn't want her out in this stuff, so we just left them at home, and uh, she's going to put my race on live, or somebody's going to, so my parents can watch it with my girls because my oldest girl was not happy that we had to leave her at home. <laughs> so we're going to have to hear about that some more, I'm sure. But, you know, just like that, they got technology like that. So on nights like this, you know, the crowd, if they got somebody that's going to go live for their race or for the whole race, yeah, why would you come sit in this when you can just sit in your cozy home and you know watch it but it honestly if if the tracks had to do something to get people back in the stands it would honestly have to be probably cut out media in my opinion because it just i mean it, it does suck for the people far away but you know it also sucks for the track because they're not making money off the crowd like they should if you know if they were here so yeah for sure um. Yes. Do we have anything else we kind of want to touch on, or we're kind of at the forty-minute mark? I think I... you've emptied the vast uh, libraries within my my cranium over here. Yeah, and I think I think it's probably time to let Kyle out of here. And uh, thank you, Kyle, for joining us on the podcast. And uh, we. Hope you have a pretty good season this year and definitely hope that you're healthy all year long. Uh, thank you guys for letting me come on here and kind of throw out some awareness about the cold cancer deal. And I hope it helps somebody and hopefully, I mean, hopefully fingers crossed I get to talk to Tanner a little later on tonight. But if not, I hope we have good races, put on a good show and everybody gets to get off the track and go home safely tonight. All right. Uh, we might 
keep you just for a little bit. I might mess with the flag so you can sign both flags and maybe take a video or something. Facebook might like that. So, uh, but podcast-wise, uh, I don't think there's much to recap. So, can't. I guess I'll mention the flag. Obviously, Kyle will uh, autograph our Chronicles from the Cushion flag. There's two of them. One's hang- one was supposed to be hanging up, but my duct tape did not survive the last two weeks, I guess. But anyway, he'll sign both flags, and then the second flag, uh, starting tonight, hopefully, I'm going to have a box somewhere down in the concession area or the souvenir area here at the track, and you fans can enter to enter for a chance to win that flag. We'll draw a winner during fall nationals, and there's no cost or anything. All we ask is for you to support our pa- podcast and give it a listen to every once in a while uh, other than that i think tanner if you want to start thanking sponsors we can kind of thank sponsors if there's anybody you need to thank again i'm going to give a shout out to to cam he designed my uh new announcing logo for this year and also did a lot of stuff for us here on the podcast so greatly greatly appreciate cam Works very hard, not on his own stuff because he's not even racing yet. Uh, again, photos by Red. I also need to say thank you to LaJoy of Seating, Randy and Corey LaJoy over in the Carolinas. They build safe race seats over there. SaferRacer.com is their website. Also, the RF Cattle Company, Madison's fictitious cattle company. He gave me money, so I need to say thank you to Madison. And uh, Flex Racing for the new announcing gear that i am debuting here tonight so thank you to all those guys that support us and everybody else that likes subscribes and likes to watch us ramble on about dirt track racing yeah for sure so um i think that's gonna pretty much wrap it up for this episode um hopefully we figure out a third episode guest shortly or within next week or so um but just want to thank everybody for giving us a shot and giving us a listen and we'll see you guys next time.